I think sometimes we we'll read through a verse of scripture and we'll just we'll just miss the meaning because we move through just a single verse so rapidly. And this is a wonderful, powerful verse of scripture. I take the word of God at face value. I take it for what it says. I take it for what it means. And when it says these words in John 21, 25, and there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. I want to read that again. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. I want you to stretch your hand this direction, and I want you to pray like you've never prayed before for God's anointing upon His Word, upon His servant, upon your ears to hear, and your heart to receive today. Could I hear you help me pray today? Could you pray with me in concert? Let's join together. Father, we call upon your name today. We call upon the name of Jesus, your Son, the name that is above every name. And I am keenly aware of the assignment that is given to me this morning. Lord, I'm also aware of the work of the Holy Spirit, the work of Jesus, the work of our Heavenly Father that you want to do in our midst. God, we have prepared our hearts, and we have come to this season, this morning, with expectation, believing to see the hand of God upon us. Lord, I pray that the word would go forth, that it would penetrate every heart after it passes through each and every ear to hear what the Spirit is wanting to say to the church. God, I pray that you would anoint this clay vessel to be able to communicate the word of God. We give you thanks. We give you praise for these blessings in Jesus' precious name. And the church said, amen. It is all about Jesus today. He is the reason that we live. Jesus is the reason that we exist. Jesus is the reason that we have purpose. It's not about us. As a matter of fact, when we became believers, we are dead. And it is Jesus living in us. And it is Jesus living through us. Paul wrote it like this in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 when he said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Last week we began this series of messages talking about the preaching of Jesus how God anointed Jesus to preach the gospel to the poor, to preach the gospel to the captive, 
to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he did that in the 33 and a half years that he was on the face of this earth. But not only did he preach to mankind, but he also preached to the unseen world. Between Good Friday afternoon and Easter Sunday morning, he preached for sure to Old Testament righteous saints that had lived by God's law but still needed to accept the atoning work of Christ on the cross. He preached to them, and Paul alludes to it in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. He not only preached to Old Testament saints, but he preached a message of victory to already some demons of darkness that are held in chains of everlasting torment. This happened while his body lay dormant in the grave until that Easter Sunday morning when he arose from the grave. This morning and this week, as the Lord has dealt with my heart, he has led me back to the miracles of Jesus. Now, I know we talked about some specific miracles of Jesus a few weeks ago, but this week, as the Lord has directed me, I feel inclined to talk about some of the the mass miracles of Jesus. We certainly won't take time to visit every single miracle because there are so many, and all of them have a, a great inspiration for our faith, and they all have lessons to teach us. But I believe today we will glean lessons from the passages that deal with when Jesus ministered to the masses of people and brought about miracles in their lives. There were many miracles. It is impossible to calculate exactly how many miracles Jesus Christ performed when he was on the earth. Some Bible scholars believe that there are 33 recorded miracles that Jesus performed. Other Bible scholars believe it could be as many as 45 miracles that are recorded that we know specifically about in the Gospels. And there certainly were many miracles that were not laid out in detail where Jesus would just go and heal the masses of people. And these miracles are recorded by four Gospel writers. Now let me just kind of break this down for us this morning. First of of all, there's Matthew, who is the tax collector uh, that has come to Christ. He is a disciple of the Lord. And then there is the second gospel, which is called the gospel of Mark. His account came from Simon Peter, who is both a disciple and a fisherman. And then Luke, uh, the third gospel, is the beloved doctor, the physician, who was not a disciple at all. And then to wrap it up, the fourth uh, uh, gospel is the gospel of John, who was a disciple and a fisherman as well. And so uh, notice that two of the four Gospels were written or were accounted by fishermen. I read some humor from the Wisconsin Fishing Guide uh, not too long ago that said these words, the only thing that could remotely cast doubt on the miracles of Jesus is that they were all witnessed by fishermen. And you know how them fishermen are. In all seriousness, though, the the miracles of Jesus in the gospel are very real. He did open blinded eyes. He did unstop deaf ears. He did raise Lazarus back to life after four days. He did, in a parade of life that he was traveling in, he met the parade of death with the widow of Nain, and they met at the gate of the city. Oh, praise God. The parade of life that Jesus was traveling in met the parade of death at the gate of the city, and God raised that young young man back to life and restored 
restored him to his mother. He did cause the lame to walk again. He did the impossible. And you know the beautiful thing about all this is the word of God says he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He does not change. He is still the miracle worker. I've come by to say at the very outset of this message, there is a healer in the house today where two or three are gathered in his name. He promised he would be among us. Chuck Swindoll wrote these words. He said, viewing his miracles as a whole, the astonishing power of Jesus should be a source of comfort to us. The reality is he has taken dominion over illness and tragedy and chaos and death. His power is not limited by time or distance or superstition or prejudice or even the forces of evil. He is in fact Jehovah Rapha, our healer. He said himself, I am the Lord thy God that heals you. And I believe today that his word is going to go forth. And when his word goes forth, I believe that miraculous power and healing will accompany his word. Is there anybody in the house today that would agree with me that the power of Jesus Christ is in the house? That the power of Jesus Christ is going to be manifested to touch the lives of his people? As I begin to look at the gospels and how they kind of compared and contrasted with each other, I gleaned some lessons from each of the gospel writers as it related to the mass miracles of Jesus. I believe these life lessons will help us in our pursuit of the miracle that we so desperately need. Four simple thoughts that I want to share with you from the mass miracles that Jesus performed. First of all, I would tell you that in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew teaches us that miracles from Jesus come in divine order. They come in divine order. Watch this. Matthew 4, 23. It says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. What I want you to get is the order in those in that passage of scripture. Notice that he preached first and he healed second. Notice that his word was first and the miracles came second. Notice that it was the preaching of Jesus first and then it was the healing of Jesus second. So last week I brought a message to you. And in that message I talked about the preaching of Jesus. And today we're talking about the healing of Jesus. Why is that, Pastor? Because I'm telling you in God's work and in His Word, there is a divine order in the portals of glory. Just like there is a divine order with the Trinity. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Just like there's a divine order when you take communion. Communion. You take the bread first and then you take the cup. You, you recognize the, shed, uh, the, the broken body of the Lord and then you recognize the blood. Could it be that there is a divine order to receive in your miracle? Could it be that there is a divine order to you receive in your healing? Is it possible that you're going after your miracle and you have forgotten to get the word first in your spirit that ignites your faith? so you can receive your miracle. I'm telling you, Benny Hinn
sin doesn't give you your miracle. Rod Parsley doesn't have your miracle tucked away. Donald Jones doesn't have the ability to give you your miracle. You cannot put the cart ahead of the horse. You cannot bypass step one and go to step two no more than you can bypass Calvary so you can get to the upper room. Someone that is desperate for a miracle today, I've come by to tell you first and foremost what you need to get in your spirit is the word of the living God because the scripture says it loud and clear in the book of Romans that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. You got to get to a place where you want to hear it. You want to read it. You want to ingest it. You want to study it. You want somebody to preach to you. You want somebody to teach it to you. I have a hunger for the word of God. How desperate are you for your miracle today? How desperate are you for your healing today? I'm telling you, I'm believing God's going to ramp up some hunger for his word in the house this morning. That's what Matthew teaches us, but he's not the only one. In another place, it says, I esteem your words more than my necessary food. In another place, in Jeremiah, he said these words, your words were found and I ate them. In another place, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Did you know today that sin will keep your prayer from bringing your answer? Did you know today that sin will keep your answer from arriving? But I'm here to preach to you today that if you make the word of God your number one priority it will drive the sin out of your life and nothing can ignite your faith like the word and when the word ignites your faith look out my friend because your miracle is on its way I'm telling you we don't need the latest charismatic song we don't need the latest charismatic fad maybe what we need to do is go back to the basics and go hard after the word of God and when we get that word in our spirit it will cause our faith to soar like an eagle and we become a candidate for the miracle working power of Jesus Christ Hallelujah. Jensen Franklin when he was a young man tells a story he had recently come to the Lord and he came down deathly sick and was on the verge of dying and in his bedroom one night the Lord told him Holy Spirit directed him impressed him to cut out every scripture on prayer and miracles and healing and eat it. And that's what exactly what he did. I don't know why that so, seems so far-fetched to us. We were children. Some of us ate newspapers just because we were hungry. <laughs> but he did exactly what the Holy Ghost told him to do. He began to cut out passages of scripture and he began to eat them. He began to ingest them. And as he did it, it brought about his miraculous healing. I'm telling you, we need a revival of the word of God. The prophet said there's a famine in the land, not of bread and not of water, but of hearing of the word of the Lord. Let me tell you something. I appreciate everything that happens when it comes to music and when it comes to worship. And let me just take a few moments and talk to the Asaphs and the Levites in this house. Let me tell you how much I appreciate our musicians and our praise team and those that give their talents for the Lord. But I tell you, if you really want to be anointed, if you really want God to use you in a mighty way, if you really want people to see behind 
behind beyond your talents and your gifts and your charisma. Get a hunger for the word of God. Get a hunger for a closer relationship with the Lord. I'm telling you these latest songs can't fix what's happening in your life. But when you get the word of God inside of you, it causes your faith to rise up and you become a candidate for a miracle from God. So Matthew teaches us divine order. Word first, miracle second. Then when I moved on to Mark, I I find out that Mark teaches us that miracles from Jesus come when we reach out for him. This is gospel, Mark 6, 55 and 56. Now watch this. People ran through the whole region roundabout. And began to carry about in beds those that were sick where they heard Jesus was. And whithersoever he entered, into villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that, now this is what you want to get, that they might touch if it were but the border of his garment. And as many as touched him were made whole. (laughs) Hallelujah. They realized that all they needed to do was reach out and touch his garments because there's power in the divinity of Jesus Christ. It didn't matter how many came. I don't read anywhere there where some were healed and some weren't. I don't read anywhere there where some got their miracles and some didn't. It didn't matter how many came. It didn't matter who brought them. It didn't matter where they encountered Jesus. It didn't matter what disease they suffered from. They besought him. They longed for him to just come close enough that they could simply touch the border or the tassel of his garment. They were desperate for the Lord to send his healing virtue through them. Much like the woman with the issue of blood, 12 years of futility, And 12 years of mental and spiritual and financial exhaustion. Her body is racked with pain from an issue of blood that has flowed, leaving her severely anemic and in danger of losing her life. But one glorious day, one ordinary day, she heard about a man named Jesus that came to town. And she pushed through all the obstacles. And she reached through all the obstacles. And she touched the hem of his garment. And she received her healing. If you're desperate in your faith today, you will break through the obstacles that oppose you and there are obstacles that try to keep our faith pressed down obstacles like the doctor's report let me just stop here and say the doctor as much as I appreciate and and know that they're instruments in the hands of God the bottom line is the doctor's report is not the final report I'm reminded of what the prophet said he asked the question whose report shall you believe and like the song we used to sing we shall believe the report of the Lord. Sometimes you got to push through the obstacles of the doctor's report. Sometimes you got to push through the obstacles of the unbelief of unsaved family members that have written you off. There's going to be plenty of critics and skeptics and cynics around you but the bottom line is you've got to push beyond them. I'm telling you obstacles of your own thoughts. Thoughts that will plague you day and night that will cause you to lose sleep. 
that will zap your joy and take away your energy. Obstacles of the feelings in your body. The feelings in your body that scream loudly that you are engulfed in this malady and you're in pain. I'm telling you, you've got to remember to reach beyond that. Reach through those obstacles, reaching out for the Lord. Now let me just stop here and tell you this. This uh, gospel of Mark was, was written by Mark, but it, the account was from Simon Peter. That's important to know because Simon Peter was the one who walked on water when no one else would. Simon Peter was the one who fought with a sword while others fled from the Lord. Simon Peter would be the one who would be up and down like the ocean's waves. But at his peak, he would say, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. But really what I want you to get to is this. It was that Simon Peter who told Mark to write about people reaching out that Jesus healed because it was that Simon Peter who reached out to the Lord when he was about to drown on the Sea of Galilee. I've come by to preach to someone today. It doesn't matter where you are. Lay them in the marketplace or at the altar in the sanctuary. The truth of the matter is if you're desperate enough, you're going to push beyond the obstacles and you're going to lay hold of the Lord until you get your miracle when you're desperate for your miracle you will do whatever it takes to touch the Lord and have your disease or your sickness healed in the name of Jesus so Matthew teaches us that there's a divine order the word first and then the miracle Mark teaches us that if you're going to get your miracle, you're going to have to reach out for him. But then I, reach, I read on to the Gospel of Luke. And Luke teaches us this. The miracles from Jesus come when we allow Jesus to touch us. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, oh my. Luke chapter 4 verse 40, listen to this. Now, when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with divers' diseases brought them unto Jesus, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. I find it fascinating that when Mark is talking about the mass miracles, he's talking about how people had to reach out for the Lord. But Luke talks about Jesus laying hands on the people. The pe Lord, help me preach here. The people in this passage had to allow Jesus to lay hands on them to receive their miracle. Now, we want our miracle, but we don't want to negatively affect our image. We would much rather Jesus... Heal us in the privacy of our home in a dignified way where we're not embarrassed, not out in a crowd. <laughs> we want our miracle, but we don't want our hair messed up. Come on now. I'm telling you, there's times I go to pray for a lady. I want to get one of those little dabble, do you? Just on the tip of my index finger. 
I want to kind of lift up the top of her hair and just put a little stroke right there, a little touch. Been married nearly 30 years. I know how long it takes for mama to work on the glory. But you listen to this preacher today. When you're desperate enough for a miracle, it don't matter how flat your hair is after church. I've, I've done that little dabble do you thing until the Holy Ghost hits me. I, I put the little thing of olive oil away this week that was about this tall. I said, bless God, I'm going to get a real bottle of olive oil. I'm telling you right now, when you're desperate enough for your miracle, you're not worried about your image. Men, when you're desperate enough for your miracle, you don't care if you become a slobbering, blubbering baby, crying and snotting all over the house. The fact of the matter is, you need God to step into your situation. You're not worried about if your mascara is going to run or if you're going to look like an Indian with war paint after church service is over. The bottom line is, you come to the house of God with one purpose and one purpose alone. You need to have an encounter with Jesus Christ. And if it takes a half a bottle of olive oil to get your miracle, then bless God, bring it on. I want everything God has for me. I need Jesus to touch me. <laughs> Is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him. Anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise them up. <laughs> you see, I've abandoned myself not to the touch of a pastor or an elder. But by my faith, I've abandoned myself to the touch of Jesus. I may walk out of here a sloppy, sweaty mess today. And some of you thought you were just going to come in, have you a little worship experience, get you a little word, and go on your way. And the Holy Ghost has messed you up sitting right here. How desperate are you? How desperate are you? My Lord, some of you knew we were going to have a miracle service today. Some of you ladies, you went ahead and went with the, the low-key hairdo already in anticipation. Ain't no need in fixing my hair all up. It's probably going to be one of them rowdy Pentecostal services, and I'm going to look like I've been in a, a wreck when it's done. So I'm just going to go ahead and do the low-key hairdo today. I'm preaching the truth. They say, well, Pastor, we kind of had those kind of moments when we were in smaller churches. There wasn't so many people looking at us. 
I believe I'm among some Pentecostal believers. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. How desperate are you for your miracle? Are you willing to pay the price, even if it costs you a little bit of your image? So Luke teaches them. You've got to allow the Lord to touch you. Matthew says there's a divine order. Word first, healing second. Mark says you've got to reach out beyond all the obstacles and touch it at the very least, the hem of his garment. Luke says you've got to allow the Lord to touch you. And then John, John teaches us this. He teaches us miracles from Jesus. They validate that he is the one that was anointed to bring us eternal life. You see the miracles. Listen to this, John 20, 30 and 31. Many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these, and I could insert 33 to 45 miracles, have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. The reason every miracle is in the Gospels is to prove to you that Jesus is the Savior of your soul. When the four friends brought their paralyzed friend and, and, and lowered him through the roof, Jesus said to him, your sins are forgiven you. And then he healed him. And went on to say, so that you know I have power to forgive sins. Take up your bed and walk. Jesus still healing. You're here today and you're lost. Just begin to look around you. You're in a room filled with miracles. <laughs> I began to recount this week, Brother Harnish, some of the miracles in my life, miracles of healing in my, my life, my wife's life, my son's life, my mother's life, my father's life. I began to recount all the times that miraculously God provided for me financially. I began to recount the times that I watched him as he brought healing to marriages that were broken or people that were emotionally shattered and they received a touch from Jesus. <laughs> you see, we have a tendency to focus just on certain kinds of miracles, but there is nothing impossible with God. There's nothing impossible with Jesus. He's in the house. The miracles of Jesus, the miracles of Jesus with the multitudes have something to teach every single one of us. Bow your heads with me.